Hey everybody again, welcome to Journey. It's really good to be with you today. Really glad we can gather uh, through this way and so honored to be with you. Uh, I want to just early on let you in on a little bit of moment of vulnerability, part of my story. When I was probably eight or nine years old or so, I was playing Little League Baseball and I've always loved sports, loved baseball. There was one particular time where after being up to bat and making an out, I was so frustrated that as I walked back towards this little bench where the rest of my teammates were, I took off my helmet and I threw it down as hard as I possibly could as an eight or nine year old and watched it bounce across that ground. And I was so frustrated and so angry, I just had to let it out somehow. And I remember kind of getting in trouble for that, getting scolded a little bit and being corrected and talked about why that wasn't a good idea and why we didn't want to lose our control like that. And I tried to lodge then and I tried to remember it, but I stayed pretty competitive over the years in different arenas. And I've got even sometimes some perfectionist tendencies. And so on occasion, I've still been known to throw something. I mean, it's been a long time, but I used to have a streak where I used to throw golf clubs. I would get really mad until I realized just how crazy that looked, but I, but I did that. I, I've been known to like just not literally throw my phone. I'm, I'm too frugal for that. There's too much risk in that for me, but to drop my phone across the table just in some moment of, of frustration. Sometimes it just, it just happens, right? Um, I mean, that's just, that's just being honest. How about if you're just honest back? How about if we could dialogue here for a minute? I mean, have you ever thrown something? Have you ever wanted to throw something? I mean, just write it in the comments there. Let's just engage this a little bit. Let's be honest with one another. What have you thrown or what have you maybe wanted to throw in a moment of frustration? And here's the deal. We'll give each other a lot of grace. We'll just assume it's all things we wanted to throw, not things we actually threw, right? So we'll just give each other some room there. I remember one time my wife, Erica, she loves to read. She reads every single night. She, she's a ferocious reader. And I remember one time she finished a book and the ending made her so mad, she threw the book across the room. It's the only time she's ever done that. It's the only time that but she's read so many books, but that one book, there was something in the ending that just so frustrated her, she threw the book across the room. Every now and then, it feels like you just wanna throw something or maybe actually do throw it, right? I mean, we've, we've all done it. We've all had these moments. And so just in advance, I appreciate your honesty and sharing a little bit in the discussion thread there. But here's the deal. We happen to be living in a time that can heighten some frustration and heightens the uncertainty. And maybe even in this time, as we navigate our way through COVID-19, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I honestly find myself thinking, man, I just wish I could throw something. I wish I could get some energy out somehow that just things get a little frustrating. Things get a little overwhelming. You feel that? Just that, that desire to say, oh man, if I could just rear back and throw something. Well, today what I'd love to do is, I'd love to invite you in to a passage of the scriptures that actually, believe it or not, invites us to throw something. That actually puts in our hands something to throw and invites us to throw it. In order to kind of walk this out, in order to see this day, I want to invite you, if you've got a Bible with you there this morning, or if maybe you're going to look online, we'll, we'll link to this if you're on Facebook Live, or if you're in church online, that the Bible is right there actually uh, in the platform with us. And go back to the book of Ephesians, which is a letter in the New Testament of the Bible that we've been in now for a couple of prolonged months, um, just navigating through this experience of saying, look, who does Jesus say we are? And when we understand who we are, then we can become that. When we understand who we are, 
then we can become that. As Pastor Joel said last week, when we understand who we are, then we know how to live. And so we've, we've understood that we're chosen by Jesus just out of his graciousness and love. We're raised up with him, literally united with him when we surrender our lives to him. And so we can become people who live as loved by God and chosen. We live humbled by that and grateful for that. And as we get to the end of Ephesians, this little letter written by a guy named Paul, the people he loved, we find some final instructions and even a little bit of just a, a final awareness that Paul tries to give people like you and I. And I just want to look at that. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 10. And uh, maybe it's a passage that's familiar to you. Maybe the, the elements or the components of this, this part of Paul's letter are really familiar to you. Maybe they're brand new to you, but it's a, it's a great insight and window into the life in which we really live and what we really fight against. Here's what Paul wrote, again, to these people that he loved. He's written so much to them in this letter about who they are, who Jesus says they are, and how they live as a follower of Jesus, how they are becoming who they already are. Verse 10 says this, Finally, at the end of everything else I've said to you, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Here's the reality. There really is a real God who loves us and is pursuing us and wants relationship with us. There really is a very real devil who has schemes designed to, to nitpick, grab little things, little by little, steal, kill, and destroy your life and my life. There really is a devil that's up to evil. There really is a God that can use what the enemy means for evil, take it and use it for good. But there really is a bigger story at play than just the, the physical, tangible things in front of us that we see. Paul's writing, I saying, just be aware of this. There, there's a much bigger battle going on. And he says it this way in verse 12, for your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people but against rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There it is. He's just expanding this thing. Look, there's a bigger fight going on. It's not just the person across the street or the person on the opposite side of a political opinion, not just, not just the person that you didn't get along with or the person that hurt you. The, the battle's much bigger than that. There really is a spiritual battle taking place. There's a real God and there's a real opponent of God named Satan. So he says this, knowing that, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to still stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel peace. In addition to all those things, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the other saints, all the other followers of Jesus. It's a fascinating little passage here that Paul's talking about. He's obviously, he's painting a picture of a, a bigger battle. There's something bigger at stake here. There's a real God. There's a real enemy of God. And we're in the middle of that battle. So he says, what I really want you to do when trying times come and when evil comes, I want you to be able to stand. And so he says, put on this armor. Put on, put on the, this, these tools that we've been given. Put on a, a breastplate of righteousness. Put on this right standing in Jesus where Jesus becomes the one who guards our heart. 
Put on this helmet of salvation, this gift of Jesus, so that we begin to think like Jesus thinks, so we begin to think and see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. Take things like the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It gives us, it gives us an ability to, to go on the offensive a little bit, to defend ourselves, where the Scriptures become literally how we, how we shape our soul and how our souls are guided and how our mind is renewed. Paul says, take these things. But what's interesting is that there's, as Paul paints this picture, he's literally using well-known Roman armor. And the people of Ephesus, like a lot of the known world at the time, they lived under Roman rule. Like the common thing would have been for them to live very aware of Roman soldiers. Paul had been in prison and been shackled next to Roman soldiers. I mean, Roman soldiers, that was the common thing of the day. So everybody knew the, the armor of a Roman soldier. Paul's, Paul's just making a very common, everyday example. Saying, look, you all have seen Roman soldiers. You know the armor. But what's interesting is, is that Paul doesn't list one of the most common pieces of the armor of a Roman soldier. Paul doesn't list one of the most common tools that everybody else would have known they had. He doesn't list it. He lists the sword. He lists the breastplate. He lists the shield. He lists the helmet and the shoes and the belt. He lists all those things. But it seems like there's one missing. The, the one that's, that's missing is actually... What they would often refer to maybe as the lance, what you and I might call the javelin. And it was a long spear type deal. And they would take that, the Roman soldier would take that long javelin or that long spear and they would launch it towards an oncoming enemy. Or maybe if there was a group starting a little uprising against the, the, the Roman power of a certain city, they would take these. And in order to knock back the enemy or slow down the enemy's attack, they would take this long javelin. And I want to just show you a picture of what one might have looked like. They they would take it and they would just launch this forward towards their enemy. And their enemy may block it a little bit. Their enemy it may penetrate the enemy's armor. It may get somewhere right. But at the very least, it was knocking the enemy back. It was slowing down the attack. And the, the, the Roman soldiers, they, they carried these. They had one of these. It was always at the ready, right? It was part of what they used. And Paul doesn't seem to list it. He lists all the other ones that Roman soldiers has, but he doesn't seem to list that one. And yet he actually, he does. He, he kind of writes it in almost an understood way. Again, he knows the people reading his letter the first time. They know all the armor. So they, they read the, just the assumed pieces. They read the understood pieces. And, and where Paul talks about this lance or this javelin, this thing that, he could, that the Roman soldier could throw, is actually in verse 18, the place where it feels like he doesn't list an armor. Let's go back to it. This is what it says, what Paul wrote to them. He said, in addition to all that armor, what I also want to encourage you to do is pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. And with this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the other followers of Jesus. What, do you, what Paul's saying there in light of the rest of what he's been saying about the armor is he's saying, hey, now I also want you to take the javelin, like take this long lance, and I want you to throw it. I want you to throw that prayer. I want you to launch that prayer. Throw that out there. That prayer is going to make a difference. That's how you win. That's how you fight this fight. Throw the prayer. We're looking for something to throw. Paul says, man, I want you to throw a prayer in desperation and sometimes in frustration and sometimes in bewilderment and confusion. Throw the prayer. You know there's an attack. You know there's an enemy. Throw the prayer. 
But what, what's Paul talking about this prayer? Like he uses this word prayer. He's like pray in the spirit and all occasions and with all kinds of prayers. What's he really getting at? Well, throughout the, the New Testament of your Bible, there's, there's a handful of words, different words for prayer, describing different kinds of prayer, right? I mean, there's different kinds of things we would pray about. There's, there's the prayer of thanksgiving, or there's the prayer for a need, or there's the prayer for another person, right? There's different kinds of, of prayer. The word that Paul uses here is actually the most common of the words. 127 times in the New Testament, this word gets used to describe prayer. And it's two Greek words put together. The first word is kind of a cool word. It's, it's this word that, that kind of describes a, a vow, somebody that's making a vow or, or surrendering or yielding themselves, giving themselves to somebody. The first part of the word that Paul would use is like, hey, I'm so in on this. You could almost hear it a little bit like I'm making a deal with God. God, I've got a need so big that I'm vowing to give myself to you. Right? Like I'm, I'm vowing myself to you. I'm surrendering myself to you. It's, it's really... It's really just this early part of a prayer of saying, Jesus, I'm going to give myself fully to you. Jesus, I'm going to give myself fully to you. I mean, think about a vow, right? When my wife and Erica and I got married way back in 1996, I, I made a vow to her on that day. And I wasn't making like a vow just to the idea of marriage or just the idea of a wedding. I, I was making a vow to her. I was making a vow to her. I'm saying, I'm, I'm going to give myself fully to you. I, I'm making a vow to you. That's the first word in this this part of this two Greek words that come together to form this word prayer Paul's using. The, the second word really describes this desire for closeness, this desire for connection and intimacy and really for oneness. So you put them together and Paul's got this word he's putting together to form this word prayer that shows up so many times in the New Testament of your Bible. Just this prayer of vow and surrender for the purpose of closeness. Like when I made the vow to Eric on our wedding day, it wasn't, again, just because I wanted to make a vow to the idea of marriage or just because I wanted to give myself to her. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to spend my life with her. I wanted to be fully with her. I, I wanted us to share the rest of our lives together, right? It wasn't just a vow for the sake of a vow. It was a vow for the sake of closeness. Like Paul's painting this little picture here of this, this prayer saying, okay, look, the prayer that we're praying is Jesus, I give myself fully to you so that I could be fully with you. Jesus, I give myself fully to you so that I could be fully with you. Right, again, if I use Eric and I, it's the, it's the example, like, Eric, I'm giving myself fully to you so I could be fully with you. I'm making a vow to you so, I, so that I could be, to show you how much I want to be with you so that I could be fully with you. And here's the, here's the great part. I mean, God's always wanting to be with us. Right? And so our response in that is say, God, I want to be, I'm going to give myself fully to you so that I could be fully with you. That's this prayer that Paul says, just, man, take that and just throw that prayer. That's a prayer that starts to knock back the enemy. Now, we'll, we'll talk about how in, in just a second, but, but let's have a moment of honesty. Doesn't it feel a little bit like that's a neat spiritual idea? Like, okay, yeah, I'm going to pray, Jesus, I... I, I I want to be with you, so I'm giving myself fully to you. It could feel like a neat spiritual idea, right? And it is what Paul's talking about. I mean, it is the word that Paul's describing. But it does feel a little bit too like it can deny reality. But wait, I have real needs here, God. I've got a real need, and especially in this time. I'm, I'm facing real fear. I'm wrestling with real anxiety. I'm staring down real uncertainty. I'm grappling with real loneliness. My God, I need more than just I'm giving myself fully to you, so I could be fully with you. 
I mean, maybe you could think about it in the ways of just, what do you want to end? Like right now in your life, what are some things you want to end? I'm, I'm all about vision and we need to see where we're going. And, and, and the Bible even tells us that without a vision, we actually, we actually perish. We actually just cast off restraint and lose our way. But part of what gives us vision is to understand what we want to end. What do you want to end right now? Because this prayer of Jesus, I'm giving myself fully to you so I can be fully with you, is not a denial of our current reality. It includes our current reality. It's Jesus, I'm giving myself fully to you, including all of the things I want to end right now. But I'm doing that in part so that I could be fully with you. A couple weeks ago when we were really, really early in this whole journey with the coronavirus, I started to wrestle with a little bit of a challenging question in my soul. And the question was really, John, in, in the middle of all this, I mean, do you want this to end or do you want Jesus? Do you want this to end or do you want Jesus? And I thought I knew the answer, but I could just tell there was enough of a check in my soul. I just sensed I need to wrestle with this a little bit. What do I really want? Now, here, here's the beauty. I want both. I want both. And I think Jesus wants both. And he wants to see us through. He wants to take what the enemy means for evil and use it for good. But he also wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. And so I found all of this freedom in just saying, you know what? What I really want is I want the end of COVID-19. I want it to end for me, for the world, for, for every, everybody in every capacity I want it to end. But I want Jesus. I don't really want to get to the end of COVID-19 and not have a more significant relationship with Jesus because you know what? There's another trying time coming. It's always been true in the history of the world. It's always going to be true. There's been world wars. There's been plagues. There's been ep epidemics and pandemics. There, right? there's, there's always been a challenge. I want the end, but I want Jesus so that I'm a little more connected to Jesus, a little more strong in Jesus, a, a little more settled in his love the next time something comes. What do you want the end of? Like right now, even just today, what do you want the end of? And do you also want Jesus? That's where the prayer starts, right? Jesus, I'm going to throw the prayer. The enemy's pushing in and, and the fear's pushing in and the loneliness might be pushing in and maybe it feels like the anxiety's pushing in and the uncertainty and the financial strain and the relational tension. And Jesus, I'm going to throw the prayer. I'm going to just say, Jesus, I, I give myself fully to you, which includes that fear, that anxiety, that uncertainty, that loneliness, that question, that frustration, that anger that fatigue, that numbness. I give myself fully to you, including all of that, so that I could be fully with you and you could be with me in all of that. Would you throw that kind of prayer? Would you throw, Jesus, I give myself fully to you, including all the things I wish could end right now. But I give myself fully to you so that I could be fully with you. Here's the thing. Here's the beauty of, of just throwing that prayer, of taking it back and say, Jesus, everything in me, all the things I want to end, all the things I'm celebrating, all the things that are good, all the things that are bad, I'm gonna take that prayer and I'm just gonna throw that, Jesus, I wanna be fully, I give myself fully to you so I can be fully with you. And when we do that, what we're actually living, what, what we're actually setting ourselves up to, to experience 
is a principle and a promise that James, the brother of Jesus, talked about a little bit later. It's in James chapter four, when he said, you know, just submit yourself to God. Just yield yourself to him. Give yourself to him. Resist the devil. Resist the the fear, resist the anxiety, resist the panic, resist the uncertainty, resist the loneliness, and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And when we launch that prayer, we're doing that. We are drawing near to God. We launch that prayer of Jesus, I'm giving myself fully to you so I can be fully with you. We are drawing near to him. And in that moment, he is absolutely drawing near to us. And as he's drawing near to us and we're drawing near to him, By default, when we draw near to God, we're pushing away from the enemy. And Jesus says, look, when you do that, I'm going to draw near to you. And the devil is going to flee. So when we launch that prayer and we draw near, we're drawing near to God and and fear is getting pushed back. And anxiety is getting pushed back. Uncertainty is getting pushed back. Relational tension is getting pushed back. Financial fear is getting pushed back. Loneliness is getting pushed back. We just keep launching that prayer. We just keep launching that prayer. And every time we launch it, we're drawing near to the God who draws near to us and we're resisting the devil who will flee from us. God wants to do a lot of good things in the middle of this. God didn't make this happen. God didn't design this, but God can use what the enemy means for evil and he can use it for good. And part of how we get to be a part of that good is It's just this really simple prayer. Jesus, I give myself fully to you so that I could be fully with you. And as I give myself fully to you, it includes all the things I wish would be done. It includes all the things I'm struggling with, all the things that are making me mad, all the things that are hurting me. I give you all of them. All the questions I have, all the problems I need to solve, all the opportunities I want to seize, all the serving I want to do, all the heartache I'm experiencing, Jesus, I give myself fully to you, including all of that, so that I could be fully with you. Would you just throw that prayer today? Can I, can I just invite you to, to do one thing with that? Throw the prayer, and then throw it again, and throw it again, and throw it again, and again, and again, and again. Throw it again, and again. Jesus, I give myself fully to you so that I could be fully with you. That's something worth throwing. That's something in the midst of all of this time and some of the frustration and some of the fear and some of the anger and some of the confusion, that's something worth throwing. I want to invite us to be people who would throw that prayer today and the next day and the next day and the next day. I'm praying it. I'm praying it a lot. I want more of Jesus. I want Jesus to have more of me. I'm trusting that you'd want the same and that you would experience the same as you pray this prayer. Could I just take a minute and lead us just collectively in praying this together? And maybe if you're with somebody, you'll, you'll even just maybe pray this out loud in the next few seconds together. Maybe you'll pray it over your family or the friend or the roommate that you're with, or maybe you'll pray it for yourself if you're by yourself, and you'll just kind of pray it for somebody else, too, that you know, a family member you wish you could be with right now, or a friend you long to see, or a coworker you wish you could be in the same room with again. Let's just take a minute. Let's pray this prayer. Jesus, thanks for giving us something worth throwing. 
Thanks for giving us a prayer that we could throw that actually does change things in the spiritual realm and this bigger battle that we find ourselves in. And so Jesus, just together, gathered together today in lots of different environments and lots of different homes and lots of different rooms, we gather together and we just collectively say to you, Jesus, I give myself fully to you so that I could be fully with you. And Jesus, we also say, Jesus, that we, we give ourselves fully to you. We, just all of us together, we give ourselves fully to you so that we could be fully with you. There's a lot of things we want to end right now, Jesus. And I, again, I pray even right now, again, for their end. I pray for the end of COVID-19. I pray for the end of the, the, the fear and the, the loneliness and the isolation and the frustration, the confusion that has come with it. And, and I pray we would know and experience you more. I pray that when the end does come, when it is all over, that we'd be a people who are more acquainted and at home in your love and in your peace and your strength and in your heartbeat for the world you're trying to love. So we give ourselves fully to you so that we could be fully with you. Jesus, thanks for drawing near to us whenever we, whenever we even take up the smallest of steps. Again, thanks for something worth throwing. Love you, Jesus. Love you so much. Amen. Hey, again, I'm really glad we could be together like this today. Um, your presence is a gift. It really does matter. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm going to pass it to Pastor Joel, and he's just going to help us know some ways we can stay engaged, uh, both around this idea of throwing this prayer and prayer in general, and then also some ways we can stay connected together, continue to follow Jesus in the weeks ahead. I love you. It's been great to be with you.